This is the Annex of Sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from the City University of New York. Today, the moral obligation to succeed in college. My guest is Daniel Chambliss, the Eugene M. Tobin Distinguished Professor of Sociology at Hamilton College. Our discussion was recorded on March 26, 2020. Right, so we're here. I'm here with Daniel Chambliss, Distinguished Professor of Sociology at Hamilton College. It's a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. He has a very impressive publication record, along uh, it, which includes a recent book with Harvard University Press, How College Works. Before we talk about your op-ed, do you want to just give us a quick uh, you know, rendering of your book and its main ideas? Sure. Um, How College Works uh, is a book I wrote with a student of mine who's a grad student at Chicago right now in sociology named Chris Takis. And we spent eight years basically tracking a whole cohort of students as they went through college, uh, interviewing. This was 100 students picked at random, and we interviewed them every year and followed their careers and so on. The real upshot of it was we discovered that what really matters is, and this is for traditional age students, Okay, mm -hmm. and especially at residential schools. But personal contact is just critical. Personal relationships, having friends, having teachers you connect with, things like that, way more important than curriculum or facilities or assessment mm -hmm. or pedagogy even, uh, all sorts of things that we spend a lot of time on. turns out that what really matters is do you have friends and do you connect with one teacher, basically? Wow. And that predicts all kinds of other good outcomes. That was the basic message. Oh, wow. You know what? That's yeah. worth uh, a whole discussion of itself on another thing. It sounds like I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's interesting. Today, though, I want to talk about a really thought-provoking op-ed that you wrote in the Wall Street Journal. It was called Go Ahead and Drop My Class. And I was, I was really struck uh, by the op-ed, you know, it's one of those pieces where you start thinking about what, you know, your your previous ideas about how you did your work. Yeah. I really liked it. Maybe we'll start off. Can you summarize yeah. the main arguments, the main points you were trying to make? Well, yeah, sure. Really, what, what happened is it, it's uh, kind of about my whole philosophy of teaching. Mm -hmm. And it was prompted many years ago. I was coaching. I was coaching a competitive swimming team. And I had this girl on the team, a 12-year-old, who had tremendous ability and beautiful technique and I thought could go, you know, literally to the national championships. And she just wasn't interested. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't seem to care. And I thought this was a huge waste of an opportunity and, and her parents were upset about this. And, you know, I tried every trick in the book trying to get this kid to, to go places and get motivated and stuff. And I called up, so I was frustrated, and I called up a friend, uh, a guy named Larry Leibowitz, who has coached kids on the U.S. Olympic team. And I knew him from research I'd done on Olympic swimming. And I said, Larry, what do I do? And he said, Dan, he said, you want this more than she does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I guess that's true, but maybe she just doesn't know what's good for her, right? Yeah. And he said, he said, and this really stuck with me, he said, you've got to realize there's nothing morally wrong with not wanting to swim. Mm -hmm. And that really hit me pretty hard because I realized that I had taken on this kind of attitude that if you 
could be a great swimmer, you sort of had this obligation to the world to go and yeah. do it. Yeah. And I really tried to start thinking about my teaching in the same way. And, and what prompted the article actually was reading a lot on academic Twitter from professors who I find, let's say, a lot of faculty members out there have a sort of moralistic view about, let's say, sociology, our field, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, that is, they think that if a student's not interested or doesn't care about it or whatever, there's something wrong with that person, you know? Right. And, and we think they, you ought to care about this. This is really important stuff and so on. And I, I understand the impulse, but I think it's, I think it's a bad impulse. I think it's a destruct. I think it damages relationships with the students. It's a kind of lack of respect for the student in a way. And and I did it. I mean, I spent the first 10 years of my career just beating my head on the wall, mm -hmm. trying to work with students who basically didn't want to be worked with. Mm -hmm. uh, and they didn't want to learn the stuff and they had to be there for one reason or another. And I was just taking the the wrong approach entirely. And, and so long story short, um, I started taking the point of view that what I should be doing is trying to teach people who wanted to learn mm -hmm. and build a class around that. Now, the door is always open. Anybody else can, you know, is welcome to join in. But when a student would say to me, you know, I think sociology is a lot of baloney, which occasionally I get, you know, somebody comes in the office and, well, I'm going to drop your cord. Well, I think this is all stupid. <laughs> you know, rather than argue with them, I go ahead and sign the drop slip mm -hmm. and then say, well, what, what is it you care about? What are you interested in? Yeah. You know, and it turns out they're always interested in something because they're human right. beings. And a lot of times that opens a door to showing them the way that our field can really illuminate that. A lot of times it doesn't. I mean, I, but, but I think it's a waste of time and probably, I say, disrespectful of the student to just say there's some, the student's a bad person. Mm -hmm. That's that's the basic idea. Yeah, I enjoyed reading it, and I thought found it thought provoking in a couple ways. One is you, I it did resonate with me. You know, obviously, if you become a sociology professor, yeah. you you absolutely love school. You love yeah. this work, yeah, sure. You know, and you found personal meaning in it, and it's yeah. natural yeah. to assume that what's true of us is true of anybody. And you're professing, right? You're you're yeah. trying to convey something you think is valuable. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it, what it, the first sort of interesting reaction I had was it opened the possibility to me that I have a paternalistic type of attitude <laughs> that I don't that well, I sure. did not recognize. Right. <laughs> uh, thinking, uh, you know, both as a parent where I guess uh, literally, yeah. I guess they need a paternalistic attitude. Yeah. 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 But also uh, 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 of my students where I thought, you know, what I'm teaching is valuable to you necessarily. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and it's yeah. not necessarily. Right, right. Or it may be, and they're, they don't recognize that, or mm -hmm. they're not ready to hear that for whatever reason. And there's no question, it's a tricky decision mm -hmm. uh, as to how old a student should be before they have, let's say, complete freedom to choose what they want to be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I recognize like you got a 10 year old who doesn't want to do their piano practice or something. You say, well, let's, you know, let's give it six months. Mm. And then you hope they get a good teacher <laughs> yeah. because what a good teacher can do is find the spot where the kids interest connect with what they're what you're trying to teach them. Right. And, and that's again, that's true in our biz. You know, if you're working with college students, I mean, I like to say everybody's motivated by something. Right. And the trick, again, is finding what that is, where you mm -hmm. can 
make a connection to things they care about mm-hmm. and then link it up with what you're doing because the links are almost always there in some form. Right. On the other hand, like, it, it, yeah. you know, we are, our job is to profess something. Yeah. And you, there is some sense that you have a professional duty to promote that which you are hired to profess, but also yeah. on some level, you know, one thing that I'm realizing as I'm aging into this business is like, I'm realizing that we have collective control over what sociology is. It's not yes. really external to us. And then Very if, we're, good. if we're thinking that it's not valuable, is that a failure on our part to create a discipline where we are convinced that if somebody takes their medicine and goes through it, they're going to have some clear identifiable benefit on the other side? Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, but problem is, I don't think at at the at a college level, I just don't think you can force the medicine on them. Yeah, uh, it won't work. They'll resist and they'll get mad and they'll resent it. And that's really not good at all. Because the fact is, we don't have to do this all in one semester. You yeah. know, you're not just dealing with a student right now, you're dealing with them 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Right? That is, if I do a good job of letting a student go, you might say, mm. right? And they respect me and what I've done and, you know, and the way I handle it and things like that. It keeps the door open that down the road, they pick up some book and go, well, you know, that guy back when, you know, I mean, Fair. I've had students, I've been, I've been in the biz long enough. I've done this for 40 plus years, yeah. long enough to have students come back literally after 30 years. Yeah. And say, boy, did I miss the boat, but I'm here's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a long term. It's a long term job in that way. You know, you have me thinking it's true. You know, my strategy for this was to retreat into teaching methodology and statistics yeah. because I thought it was unquestionable. Stuff. Well, that anybody who took the class would get their money's worth was yeah. my thinking, like in terms yeah. of their net game. But you're right. You know, there are people I've had students who I've struggled who like were almost enumerate, you know, and, and why would I torture them as opposed to perhaps the best thing I could do is just direct them towards a non quantitative career, because clearly it's not going (laughs) to succeed for them. That could be, that could be, but you could also, I mean, the obvious opportunity with an, with someone who's enumerate is Mm -hmm. if you get them anywhere, I mean, I think of teaching people to read percentage tables is the yeah. is the big one that always killed me in research methods. I yeah. mean, weeks and weeks of trying. Yeah. But for, <laughs> once they see, I mean, that's a huge step. Right. You know, and they're way ahead. They're way ahead of where they were. Mm. No, methods is important, as we know right now. I mean, if you don't know the difference between, I mean, in numeracy, as you say, you know, between arithmetic and geometric progression, you're missing a very important phenomenon right now. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, in my in my field of research, personal finance, it's like there's yeah. there's a lot of evidence that people don't even understand interest rates and Compound things like that, interest. Like, like just basic stuff yep. that would be required or is expected of you to manage your personal finance. Oh, it's crucial. So, yeah, sure. It's very hard. You know what I'm gathering from this, or sort of the morality, the personal sort of in, uh, walk away that I'm getting from this is that maybe it is best to enthusiastically profess that which you profess and make a case mm-hmm. for it, but not yeah. to not to lay any student who walk, walks away with it, not to assume an attitude of bitterness or disappointment or whatever, but rather no, no. much like you would leave a, a relationship on a good note, yes. be positive, tell them the doors open. Yes, absolutely. Good luck huh. to you. God bless. Right. 
who knows? They may come back. And I've had people, literally people come back. Very interesting. You know, who walked away from intro and came back their senior year and said, boy, was I an idiot. Or or not. I mean, you know, but, sure. but that happens. It's, it's very – what was the reaction to the op-ed in general? Well, there were two – well, there were three kinds. Okay. So um, – uh, it got a lot of response. There are over a thousand comments so far, uh, wow. and it went and and the Wall Street Journal, which ran it, actually got such a response they started using it as sponsored content, <laughs> like on Facebook and Instagram oh, nice. and LinkedIn. And so you don't I got, get royalties with that, do you? Oh yeah, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> no, that's not the case. But it's it's pretty interesting. You know, you spend ten uh, years writing a book and or fifteen almost writing a book, and I got more response from this. So. Um, you know, it's yeah. a different audience. It's a different audience too. But the responses mostly, the th comments were mostly people mad because they took it as my saying, kids can just stop doing anything that's hard. Right. Or, you know, they just quit anything that's challenging or they don't like. And sometimes you got to do stuff you don't like in life and so on. Right, right. Which is obviously true. I mean, I don't fault that. Right. That was that was probably the most common response, but comments online are pretty easy to do. What was interesting to me was the letters I got, hmm. where people took the time to get my address and, and write, and sometimes literally handwritten letters, hmm. uh, my home address, Wow! as well as emails, right? But hmm. those emails and letters were very thoughtful, and mostly were parents who were distraught, about their kid, you know, like my daughter's the best, all right, I better make this up, but uh, yeah. saxophone player in Arizona, right, right. as a 15-year-old, <laughs> right. and she doesn't want to do it anymore. What do I do, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I recognize the challenge there, hmm. let's say, you know, but that was, that was a very common response. That was very common. And then there were people who were just said, absolutely right on. You're exactly correct. Here's what happened to me 40 years ago. And, and boy, am I glad my parents didn't make me continue with saxophone. Right. Because I went on and now I'm an NFL football coach. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the wow. kind of stuff you're, you know, people who read the Wall Street Journal, interesting crowd. You know, earlier uh, this semester, I spoke with Michelle Corbin from Worcester State University. Uh -huh. We were having a discussion about working class college, uh, yeah. you know, philosophies yeah, yeah. And, and practical training. Yeah, yeah. And we were even discussing, you know, she was questioning the value, the even the economic value of college mm -hmm. in its entirety. Sure. And that one sure. is a little bit tougher. Like I could under I could fully understand people wanting to walk away from sociology. Yeah. Uh or like to another yeah. discipline. Like you right. want to look at, you know, you want to do biology, you're tired of social sciences, you don't like math. Fine. Like I get right. that. But right. what about college, like the entire college proposition? Great question. It's a yeah. great question. And I've thought about it a lot because obviously, I mean, in my field, I mean, in liberal arts, let's say, there's an intrinsic delay of gratification, if you want to call it that. The payoff mm -hmm. is way down the road. Mm -hmm. Our students, I teach at a small liberal arts college. That's all we do. We don't have nursing. We don't have engineering. We don't have business. And we're asking our students to have faith, in effect, mm. that what we think uh, are the deeper lessons of liberal arts actually make your life better in lots of ways, not just economically, but that, that too. And yeah. in fact, the track record is very, very good. Yeah. That is, 
selective liberal arts colleges do very, very well. And, uh, you know, how do you measure, well, it's background versus the education itself? I don't know. But um, now I lost my train of thought, Joe. Well, I'm sorry. We were, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Yeah. No, we're asking about the entire college proposition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the evidence, you know, the, the research is quite strong. Yeah, of course it matters. I, what I say to, to groups um, when I talk to high school kids and stuff, because I I do a lot of book tours, you know, kind of thing for mm -hmm. the college book. And I love talking to parents of high school kids. And what I'll say is a good student at a good college, it's going to mm -hmm. be worth it. That is, yeah. if you're take you as a student are working to take the opportunities and you're at an institution that offers good opportunities, which right. is not every place, right? But lots. I mean, there are right. lots and lots of schools. And I'll say, you know, virtually every college in America has great teachers yeah. if you find them, right? Yeah. The trick is finding other good students. That's the harder part. But, but if you can find those people and take advantage, I think it's worth it. If you're going to diddle around for four years, that's ridiculous. Well, you know, okay, so the uh, the context that I teach would yeah. be a, an urban university that's yeah. majority Pell, okay? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there are a lot of students who are at my school who are absolutely not even college ready or not even engaged yeah. in college. Yeah. They're sort of yeah, going yeah. through yeah, the yeah. motions. Going through the motions is not a good idea. It's not a good idea. However, you know, no. there there is intrinsic, like, the college thing I think I would advocate for to mm -hmm. the end, that's, that would be past my yeah. red line of what yes. I could advocate. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, I would browbeat a student to stay in university, even yeah. if it's for just a general BA yeah. and see the job. So there must be yeah. some paternalism. There, like there must be room for some paternalism oh, yeah. in our role, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I don't object. I don't object to making people do things. What I object right. to is morally judging them. Okay. For their feelings about it. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, now, I, I would also draw the line at interfering with other students. Yeah. You know, sure. like I think it's wrong. I had an intro class many years ago where I literally said this to the group because there were kids messing around. I said, if you want to sit in the back and sleep, that's okay with me. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't allow that now because they're taking seats from other people. But I said, you can sleep in the back. But if you start messing with other people, I'll throw you out. Right. I've always told students not to come. If they don't. Yeah, that's right. Up. Don't show up. You're you're right. interfering yeah. with somebody else's education. Yeah. So, no, I don't object to paternalism and saying, saying, look, you know, this is unpleasant. You don't like it. You got to do it. It'll be good for you. I, I don't yeah. object to that. Again, what I object to is is impugning bad motives to that person. Right. Because who knows what's going on in their life. Right. You know, right. we're we're a tiny sliver <laughs> of yeah. what students are living and that's sort of an unpleasant shock sometimes. I always think at graduation, you know, it's one of those days where it's sort of a beautiful ceremony and, and it's, it's lovely in lots of ways and I really enjoy it. But, but sometimes you realize like, hey, you know, I'm just not that important to most of these people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is, that's, that's life, you know, it works. And, and then there are others you're very important to and you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, strange. All right. That was Daniel Chambliss from Hamilton College. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you so much, Joe. I love your podcast. I think it's a great thing you're doing. Oh, thank you. 
You've been listening to the Annex of Sociology podcast. A special thank you to Daniel Shambliss from Hamilton College. We're on the web, sociocast.org slash Annex, on Facebook, the Annex Sociology podcast, and on Twitter, at Sociannex. Music is by Lena Orsa. Our producer is Lisseth Moreno. I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>